I don't like that head mic. Ali was just saying, why, why aren't you wearing a head mic? I don't like it. It's funny, isn't it? I don't like a microphone. Cool. You just put the, uh, in the chorus of that up. Here and now, let your glory fill this house. Here and now, let your glory fill this house. You know, I wonder what you can't go without. Um, There's bound to be something that you think you can't go without. Maybe it's your morning coffee. Um, Maybe, that's true for me, maybe it's a particular sport, maybe you're into something, maybe you're into running, or maybe you're into football or something, and you can't go without that. Maybe there's a program on television at the moment, you just can't go without it. Maybe there's some tools that you use for your job. I can't go without this most of the time. Maybe it's time to do something. Maybe there's something you like to do in your week and you think, if I didn't do that, it just wouldn't be the same. I can't go without that. Maybe it's your phone. I'm just going to put that out there. Chocolate. Now you're talking, Brendan. You know, and, and I wonder, is there anything that, you, that if you were to go without, people would notice that you've gone without? So I imagine for some of us, that people would notice if I don't have my morning coffee. <laughs> um, I remember a few years ago, we, we were on the youth leadership team with Ali and um, some other guys, and we had the privilege of going and doing Bible weeks and going and doing weekends away. And we were talking to some of the youth before we went, some of the, the girls in the youth group, and saying, this is what it's going to be like. You know, we're camping in a tent. Um, there's going to be this and that. And the first question was, will there be plug sockets and will there be mirrors? <laughs> For what? Like, because I need to straighten my hair. Now, as someone who's had the same hairstyle for 20 years and, you know, doesn't need straightening, um, I didn't get it. And I was like, oh, you can go without your hair straighteners. Thankfully, God surrounds us with people who have a grace for dealing with things. And Ruth perfectly understood why it was so important to these girls to have their hair straighteners. It was part of their identity. It was part of how they looked. It was part of what they did. Um, It was part of what people thought of them. And it was so important to them that they had their hair straighteners. I I completely baffled by it. (laughs) You know, there are certain things that we all put a can't-go-without-value-on, aren't there? Um, But the interesting thing is, and we've realised, I guess, in the last year, in the last few months, that we can go without some of those things. You know, we did 21 days of prayer and fasting, and there were some of us who said we can't go without food, and we went without food. There were some of us who said we can't go without coffee, and we went without coffee. Some of us said we can't go without telly, and we went without telly. You know, there aren't that many things that we actually can't go without. It's only air and water, really, that we can't go without, and food after a while. But we're going to look in the Bible at a man who found something that he couldn't go without. And I want to suggest it's something that we can't go without. If you turn to Exodus 33. Exodus 33. And so this is, uh, this is Moses. And Moses has led the people of Israel out of Egypt. And they've come to Mount Sinai in the desert and uh, Moses has been up to Mount Sinai and God has given him the Ten Commandments and a lot of the law that we read about in Exodus 
Leviticus, Deuteronomy, etc. And there comes a point where it's time to move on. It's time to go on to the next thing. And it says in verse 1, I'm in the ESV, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your offspring I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. Let's move to verse 11. It says, Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight... Please show me your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Excuse me. Consider too that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us, so that we are distinct? I and your people from every other people. On the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken, I will do for you, have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses says, Please show me your glory. And he said, I will make my, all my goodness pass before you, and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Yeah. We'll finish it there. See, Moses understood the value of the presence of God. Moses understood that going with the presence of God was the only way forward. Moses spoke with God as a man speaks to a friend. And he understood that they needed God to go with him. He understood that it wasn't, there wasn't an option. God had to go with them. And it says, you know, and, and he says, I won't go without you, God. See, I want to clarify something here. God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful with no limitations. God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. He knows everything about you. He knows everything about me. And he's omnipresent. He is all-present. He is everywhere. He is in everything. Psalm 139, 7-8 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I, go to my, if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. And we know as well that his presence dwells within us. It says in 1 Corinthians 6.19 that your body is a temple of the Spirit. And yet we see all the way through the Bible that there is a distinction between the omni nature of God and the manifest presence of God. See, manifest, we hear the word manifest and it sounds all kind of spiritual and it sounds all exciting, but manifest means clear or obvious to the eye. It means he is clear and obvious. And there are times in the Bible where he is clear and obvious. When Moses, when the burning bush comes and God speaks to him out of the burning bush, that's clear and obvious. Yeah? When Elijah's in the cave and there's earthquakes going on and there's fire and God speaks to him in a still small voice, that's clear and obvious. In Acts 2, when the, in Pentecost, when there's tongues of fire on people's heads, that's clear and obvious. 
Jesus himself was clear and obviously God. It's the nature of being aware of him. See, the omni-nature of God talks of a God who is, who is all-powerful, who is so big, so powerful that we can't comprehend. It talks about the name above all names, the name we worship, the God we love to worship, but we can't get our heads around it because he's so big. But the manifest talks of a God who longs to be in relationship with us. It talks of a God who longs to be intimate with his creation, that longs to be involved with his creation. The word presence, interestingly, in this, in this translation, um, in this passage, rather, the word presence can be translated as face. And that's pretty intimate. When you see someone face to face, that's, that's pretty intimate. It's not distant, it's intimate. So which is it then? Is it the omni or is it the manifest? Well, this is one of those great moments where it's both and. This is one of those moments where we get to have both. He is everywhere, but he invites us to be in relationship with him. He is everywhere, but he invites us to be in relationship with the creator of the universe. And it's our awareness of his presence that changes everything. Moses understood this is what defined him. Verse 16, it says, For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct? I and your people from every other people on the earth. It's that, it's the clear and obvious God going with them that makes them different. You know, there were many other nations that worshipped gods and idols at the time, but they worshipped them from a distance. They set a golden calf up or they set a tower up and they worshipped their gods from a distance. But Israel had an intimate relationship with the living God. And he went with them to places. He led them in places. And that's what God calls us to. God calls us to that intimate relationship with him. To be a people who corporately and individually go after the presence of God and rely on it in every aspect of our lives. And all of us get to do it. Praise God for the new covenant where all of us, every single one of us, not just a few, not just to the priests, but every single one of us gets to have an intimate relationship, get to experience the presence of God. So I was thinking about this in the context of our church and in the context of our family. And I was thinking, well, can it be said of us that we are people who love the presence of God and who go after the presence of God? And, you know, I believe it can. And, and I can think back 18 years ago. I came here as a student. And I tried out another couple of churches. And I remember coming into this, church, into this room and walking through those doors. And the worship team were in that corner at the time. And... Um, I remember it didn't feel maybe as polished as some other places. It didn't feel maybe quite as um, glamorous, I guess, maybe as some other places. But I walked in, and I went, these people want to, want to seek the presence of God. That was the thing that got me. That was the thing that drew me in. And two years later, I had a, a kind of wobble. I was a bit like, well, maybe I did choose the wrong place. Maybe I should go somewhere else. And I went somewhere else, and I went there for, for a meeting, and I sat there and I had a really good time and I, I worshipped God and I heard the word and I thought to myself, I could be comfortable here. And in a moment, God said to me, do you want to be comfortable or do you want to pursue my presence? Don't settle for being comfortable, but pursue. And so as a people, I believe we do that. We do pursue the presence of God. We go after it. And it changes the atmosphere. Ali last week, I love this, she said, there's an atmosphere that we're creating in this family home that causes people to think differently. 
That's the presence of God. That's the presence of God in this place. And this is what makes us, both as as a church here, but also the people of God across the world, this is what makes us different. The presence of God moving in us, working in us, talking to us, moving through us, is what makes us different. It makes us individually different from our neighbours, our friends, our co-workers. It makes us different as an organisation from the other non-profits and charities that are out there. It makes it different as a gathering, as a place where people come from places where you might go and hear motivational speakers or sitting and watching TED Talks online. It makes us different from other clubs, even from other spiritual gatherings. This is what makes us different. It's the presence of God. The presence of God is what makes this place different, and it's what makes you different, and it's what makes me different. It's the presence of God. And we have to keep going after it. We have to keep running after the presence of God. Because without the presence, it's just noise. It's all noise. And there's so much noise in the world. All you have to do is turn the telly on or pick up your phone and look at Facebook. There's so much noise in the world. And you know, some of that noise is good. There is some good noise out there. And there's some noise that's making a difference. There are people out there that are making a difference in the world. world. They're, they're doing it, but it's part of a noise. But you know, it's his presence. That's what transforms. That's what redeems. That's what restores. That's That is the difference. It's his presence. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And it's not me talking that makes a difference. It's not a band singing songs. It's not the music, the chord structure they're doing. It's the Spirit of the Lord that brings freedom. And we have to be so careful that what we have doesn't just become a noise. We have to treasure the precious gift that God's given us. Because that's what transforms. If we don't treasure it, then it becomes a noise. And that's what happened to the people of Israel. So many times through their history, they didn't treasure the presence of God. So many times you see it. And they get overtaken by all the other noises. You know, it says in there, they became stiff-necked. In the ESV, in other translations it says stubborn-hearted. They became stubborn. They let their hearts become stubborn to the point that God says, I can't work with this. I can't get in. I can't get in amongst the noise. God doesn't just want to be part of the noise. He wants to be the clear guiding sound that we hear and we respond to daily. So what do we do? How do we respond to this? Well, one of the things we need to do is learn to be hosts, I believe. We need to learn to host the presence of God, both as individuals and as a family. And one of the ways we do that, the first thing we need to do is we start, hosting starts with a welcome. Now you say, can I welcome the presence of God? He's everywhere. Well, I believe there's a distinction between being in the presence of somebody and welcoming somebody in. Yeah. <laughs> now, there was a, a there's a song that many of you will be familiar with, and it's a Matt Redman song. And the bridge says, "We welcome you with praise." And I remember when this song came out that there was controversy because people said, "How can you welcome the presence of God? Is this not arrogant? It's not arrogant to think that you can welcome someone. 
It's not arrogant to think that I can say, yeah, I'm going to stand here and I'm welcoming you, God, come and do what you want in my life. That's not arrogance, that's humility. <laughs> now, when I think about welcome, being welcomed, I think about uh, some friends of mine, their house, and I think about going to their house. And many of you will have experienced this. But I think about Brendan and Sarah's house <laughs> and being welcomed there. And it just came to my head while I was, while I was uh, preparing this. Now, me and Brendan are good friends, and we meet up for coffee every so often. And I go around there, and we have a, we have a chat. Now, this is what it's not like, okay? <clears throat> if I turn up at Brendan's house and I don't get welcomed, this is what would happen. This isn't what happens, but this is what would happen. I'd walk up, I'd knock on the door, there's a vague shout in the distance. Yeah, whatever. I walk in, I go and make myself a coffee, I go and sit in his living room. I don't talk to anyone. I might mutter something in his general direction. He might mutter something back, and then I'd leave. That's not what happens if you go for a coffee at Brendan's house. What happens is I walk down to their, to their house, and, and the kitchen is there. The, the kitchen window's there, and the front door's here. And Brendan is already in the kitchen making coffee because he knows I like coffee. So he's already there making the coffee, and he's shouts at me before I even get my hand near the door he's like Dan it's open come in so I walk in and I go in and he's like welcome here's some coffee um would you like some cake Sarah's made this cake for something else but she can make some more cake so have this cake and (laughs) that may be not be entirely true um let's go let's go into the living room and we go into the living room and we sit down and Brendan, uh, they have a fire and so Brendan spends a, a couple of moments making sure the fire is at optimum temperature and that it's burning beautifully and he sit down wherever you want, wherever you're comfortable, Dan and he sits down and I sit down and we sit and he says, how are you? How, how are you doing? And, and then I say, how are you? I'm good, how are you doing? And we talk, how are you? How am I? We have conversation, we say, oh, how's your family? How's my family? So what's going on in your life? What's God doing in your life? What's going on in the church? Is there anyone in our church, in our family, that we need to be thinking about? Is there anything we need to be doing? Is there anyone we need to be praying for? We have a conversation, and it's much more than just a conversation about, oh, you're right, yeah? It's an intimate conversation that means that actually we both get transformed and the lives of the people around us get transformed because we've been talking about what God's doing in our midst. And then at the end of it... At the end of it, I felt absolutely incredible because God has done something in me as I've spent time with a man of God. That's what happens when I'm welcomed into the house of Brendan Cosgrove. Yeah? And I hope, I hope you feel the same, Brendan. But I love it. And there's a distinction, isn't there, between being welcomed and, not be, and just being in the same place. We, uh, a few of us, a couple of weeks ago, were at a conference over in Manchester, the Pioneer Leaders Conference, and there's a guy there called Brady Boyd. Pastor Brady Boyd leads a church in Colorado Springs, I think. And uh, he really helped me with this. He talked a little bit about welcoming, and I was just like, yes, that's, that confirms in me. But he said, he said this. He said every day he gets up, every day before he gets up, before he looks at his phone, before he even looks at the time, before he acknowledges his wife, before he sees any kids or family, he lies there in bed, he opens his eyes and he says, come Holy Spirit. Before he does anything else. 
And I want to suggest to you, I've started doing it when, when I remember. It's still a journey, but I've started doing it. And it makes such a difference. Because it's a daily thing. It's come Holy Spirit today. Come Holy Spirit now. Before anything else, before I do anything else, come Holy Spirit. You know, we can walk around and we can sing in places. And we can walk through places and we can just say, come Holy Spirit. We can sing in English, we can sing in tongues, and we can welcome the presence of God into places. Let's make sure we're welcoming him. And we do it daily because his mercy is in you every morning. We do it daily because actually it didn't matter what, doesn't matter what happened yesterday. It doesn't matter if I forgot to do it yesterday. His mercy is in you every morning. His mercies are new for me every morning, and therefore I'm coming to you this morning afresh. I want to encourage you to do daily, daily checkups on yourself. We respond daily to what God is saying. We respond daily as we walk in his presence. How do you know it's the presence of God? How do you know what God is saying to you? Well, here's a few things that, that I kind of use. Is there life in it? Is there life in what God, in what is God, God, you feel God's calling you to? If there's life in it, then it's God. If it's dead... That's not what God's calling you to. God calls you to things that have life in it. He might call you to resurrect something, but there'll be life in it because it's resurrected. There's rest in his presence. This doesn't mean things are easy. It doesn't mean that when God calls you to something, it's always easy. But there's a rest in your spirit that you know, I can just rest on God here. And there's grace for what God's calling you to in his presence. There's always grace for what he calls you to. And there's always more. Moses says at the end of that, he says, show me your glory. He's sat face to face with God in in the tent of meeting and he says, show me your glory. There's always more. You know, it's possible that we settle for less than what we're called to. Because it's easy, because it doesn't offend, because it pleases everyone. Even in church, it's possible that we forget to pursue the presence of God and instead go after programs, instead go after a certain style of worship, instead go after a certain way of doing things. And we say, oh, we're charismatic. And therefore, we're going after, obviously going after the presence of God because we're doing things in a charismatic way. We need to be careful. We need to treasure it. We can keep doing things because we've always done them. And they've always worked. So it must be God, right? If we've always done it and it always worked, it must be God. <laughs> well, there's different seasons. Just because I've always done something doesn't mean it's what I'm called to now for this moment. And just because, just because I'm good at it doesn't mean it's what God's calling me to at this moment. We need to ask, is it me or is it God? We need to enable, get his, we need to ask his presence to reveal these things to us. There's a lady in uh, Australia, I've just come across her and been blown away by some of the stuff um, she's saying, she said. Um, her name's Christine Kane, and she runs an organization called A21, which is a slavery, uh, a, free, a freeing slavery movement um, with an aim to relieving slavery all around the world. Um, and she's part of Hillsong as well. And she said this in a recent preach that I saw. She said, a gift will fill a room, but the anointing of the Spirit is what breaks yokes, chains, and bondages. It says in Isaiah 10, 27, 
And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. It's the anointing of the Spirit that changes things. It's the anointing that breaks chains. It's his presence that there's freedom. It's not me. It's him. It's his presence that breaks chains. And so it requires from us surrender and sacrifice daily. It requires me to daily give up my agendas, give up my aims, give up my desires, to lay them before him and say, God, what's your presence taking me to today? Where are you taking me? What are you guiding me to? What conversations? You know, if someone lives in my house, they get a say in what happens. And this is a challenge when you have a nine-year-old. Um, and, and a one-year-old. The one-year-old now has a say on what goes on the telly, and the nine-year-old isn't very keen about what goes on the telly sometimes. But, you know, if you, if you live in my house, you get a say on what happens. How much more would God? If, Jesus, if God dwells in us, the presence of God dwells in us, how much more that he gets a say? Because we live for his glory, not for our glory. You know, I want to be a part of a family that doesn't just make a noise and build a community and build a great community centre. I believe Willow Lane is going to be amazing, but I don't just want to build a great community centre there. I don't just want to make a noise in Burtby. I want to see transformation and restoration in our community. You know, I long that our gatherings, our times together, and please hear my heart. I'm not saying that we're not going after these things, but hear my heart. I long that our gatherings are times when we don't just sing some good songs and hear some good words, but where we truly treasure the presence of God. That we hear him speak and he impacts our lives in a way that we can't ignore and a way that changes our lives forever. So that when we go out the door, Go out that door, we feel equipped. That's what I long for, that we hear him speak. Yeah. And you know, sometimes he comes and he messes things up, doesn't he? This morning, Matt, that was brilliant. And that was a great example of doing something completely different. When he first said to everyone, sit down, I thought, what? And then God said, have you read your notes? <laughs> I thought, this is, this is a bit different. God said, yeah. <laughs> but that's what I want. I want to hear the voice of God every day. And when we gather together, I want to hear it. And I want to be impacted by it. And that we as a people are seeing people freed from chains. People healed of sickness, healed of disease. People being truly discipled and added to us so that they can also go out into the world. And make disciples, who then go out into all the world and make disciples. That's what I want to see. True transformation. And so this is my prayer, and hopefully it echoes with you. Come Holy Spirit. Because if your presence doesn't go with us, I'm not interested. I don't want to do it. Because it's you that matters, Lord. It's you that changes things. It's you that transforms us. It's you that transforms lives. Come, Holy Spirit. You know, we give our all 
so that one so that the one who gave his all can come and dwell and move and manifest himself show up clearly in our lives daily so that a world can be transformed will you stand if you're able We're going to take a few minutes to respond. Uh, the band are going to lead us in a song. The song says, come Holy Spirit. And they're going to lead us in this song. And as they do, the stewards are going to bring around the bread and the wine. And you might, you might be thinking, well, hang on. You've been talking about the Spirit and now you're saying, Jesus? Well, yes. <laughs> because his sacrifice... On the cross is what enables us to live in the presence of God every day. It's his sacrifice that enables us to do that. So as the bread and the wine comes around, just individually take a moment to thank Jesus for all he's done and to welcome his presence in. And we'll sing this. And then I've got a couple of things that I want to bring off the back of that um, and just pray for some people.